Welcome to the Work Minus Podcast. We talk about what we need to drop from the way we think about work and what we need to replace it with to be prepared for the future. Go to workminus.com to see a transcript of this episode, more podcasts, articles, and a newsletter that connects you to the best ideas about work. All right, enjoy the show. Welcome back to Work Minus. Today's guest is Nick Shinhoff. He's the manager of business risk initiatives with the Royal Bank of Canada. And this episode is Work Minus Roadblocks. Hi, Nick. How are you today? I'm great. How are you doing, Neil? I'm doing great. I'm really excited to talk to you today, Nick, because this topic of roadblocks comes up a lot within the work circle. You know, we always run into to barriers, things we can't get past. And I really like your perspective on this. So I want you to start off with your story and kind of how you got to the place you are in your career now. Sure. So I guess it makes sense to, to go back to university. Um, I was doing my, my science degree at McMaster, uh, doing research in, in uh, neuroscience and uh, shifted gears slightly in my final year. Um, where I, I was working with the Department of Kinesiology and did a project where uh, I actually created a heat map of the campus uh, in terms of accessibility to give it to uh, a resource uh, as a resource to uh, students that have disabilities and uh, face these kind of physical barriers on a daily basis. I figured it would uh, sort of help them, uh, new students uh, arriving at the school, it would kind of give them a sense of where best to, to kind of go in terms of getting to their classes. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was, it was a great project. So it was a great project. I like the idea to come up with an app to help people know real time how to get around in different places when conditions like snow are affecting those types of things. So talk to us about how that app was received. Was it immediately implemented? What was the result of it? So the project itself was a, a static heat map. And then coming out of university, um, I saw the need to create more of a, a real time, uh, information tool. Um, as you said, uh, you know, snow, uh, on pathways is gonna, if the pathway is rated as green and fully accessible, but there's snow on it, it's no longer green. So I put together a proposal, uh, to, uh, the university and ended up getting funding, uh, and sort of shifted into app dev at that point coming out of, uh, once I graduated. Um, the response from this sort of inclusion community was amazing. Um, and the, the, the accommodation department was amazing. They were one of the key sponsors. Um, we built it over the course of about a year. Um, it was a mobile app, similar to Waze, where you can drop pins and report things. It was like that for the campus. Um, and unfortunately, once we delivered it, I think uh, the, the department that was supposed to own it saw it as actually something that would uh, create more work for them, and, and it kind of uh, fizzled out. So this is something I think a lot of people interacted with in their career. They've had a lot of encouragement. They have a good idea. You have funding behind it. You have a lot of support from it. But then this beautiful thing you create hits this this big boundary, this big roadblock in front of you. So how did, in your early years, you know, you're talking about university time, how did you deal with that at, at that point in your life? Well, I mean, it was it was difficult to deal with because coming out of university, that was sort of my job. Um, and given my background in science, uh, getting something in sort of technology was was harder. I had to do a lot of selling my my skills as sort of um, transferable. Um, so at that time, I was quite committed to the project, and uh, you know I pushed for a while. Um, and uh, there just came a point where it, you know there's only so much work I could do. And at the end of the day, the university was the one that needed to to implement it, um, and I could help as much as I can. We had built what we promised to build. Um, and there just came a point where I had to move on, you know, for, for myself, I had to, I had to get a job where it would be, um, 
you know, sustain me and, and move me forward in my career. And, and it was a very difficult decision and a difficult period, but uh, a huge learning experience. So did you walk away from that feeling like you knew how you were going to apply that in the next role, as in you, you kind of knew when that moment was when you needed to step back, or it was still pretty open-ended at that point? I mean, it was still pretty open-ended. So even when I kind of in the back of my mind moved on from it, um, the school was every few months in touch, like, hey, what's going on? Are we going to implement this app? And, you know, I'm like, yeah, sure. You, you got you to gotta put it in place like a project team or something, though. Um, Right. If, if you're if you're a university, if the university facilities services is going to use it, like we need them on board. Um, so even when I had moved on from it in the back of my mind, I kind of kept the conversation open for another year uh, into my my first full time job. So um, it was definitely not like a clear cut. This is over and I've learned it was sort of a slow, a slow fizzle. Um, but I did ultimately learn some good lessons there. Well, walk us into the next phase of your career. Why did you go after that? So at that point, um, you know, I knew I didn't want to continue in, in scientific research. Uh, it was a great experience. I completed six placements and had two publications and in childhood brain cancer research. Incredibly um, amazing experience. But just as, as a career for me personally, I didn't, I didn't want to continue in that. I didn't want to continue with more school. I wanted to do something more practical at that point. Um, so I got a job as a, a technical analyst at a smaller company. Um, and that was sort of my first step into, into like a career in technology and business. And, uh, at that point, um, it, you know, a lot of learning there. Um, but I had to take an entry level position just to, to break into the industry. And then how did you move through that organization? At what point did you realize it was time to leave that one? So I was. I very quickly took on way beyond my mandate, um, which, I mean, it's a recurring theme in my career. I think it, it, it definitely helps, and especially when you're in an organization that will recognize that and reward you for that. Um, it's a hugely beneficial thing for you. Uh, in this organization, I, uh, I was promoted to sort of their lead project coordinator after about a year. Um, and I'd say six months into that, I was just hitting way too many roadblocks being a small company, um, the decisions made as far as, you know, the technology behind what we were implementing and, and um, some of the political factors there, I think it's, it's much more susceptible to that when, when it's a small organization. Every organization has that, but this one was just, you know, I saw six months into when I was sort of leading the implementation here, like, I can't be successful because the people with, with you know, decision-making power above me are are making decisions that are just making it hard for me to be successful. So at that point, I actually started looking for something else. Um, and that's when I applied uh, to, to RBC. Um, and by the time I, I had interviewed and, and landed a new position, um, I'd been in that uh, new role for about a year as well. So it was two years total at that, that first company. All right. So you're going from university setting then to a, a small company where you're trying to lead some some projects and you go through things. And then you you end up at this massive bank that, that's huge. And what was that experience like for you to, to walk into a situation? Because I think for me, I have the this idea, okay, you know, smaller organizations, more nimble, more agile can move quickly and don't have as many roadblocks as opposed to some huge institution, which is going to have lots of roadblocks. But what was your experience? It's different. I mean, it's just, it's different. You, you would think that for sure. Um, I mean, the first thing arriving at, at, at RBC was, 
a huge experience, uh, like a huge moment for me, because uh, I felt like I was definitely moving in the right direction with my career. Um, I joined in a, a role that was, I would say, lower level of responsibility than where, where I was at previously. But at the same time, I recognized that this was a completely new industry that I needed to immerse myself in and learn. And I, I felt that um, the role I had taken was a good opportunity to, to learn. Uh, I was on project delivery side as a, a project controller, put on two of the bigger programs um, in, our, uh, in the wealth portfolio. Um, and I just, I just did a lot of learning uh, initially when I arrived. And, and I mean, the other thing I noticed too was when you're at a small organization, starve for opportunity. There aren't that many roles above you or laterally to move into. Uh, and you arrive at a company with 80,000 employees globally. It's just, it's, it's mind-blowing to see all of that opportunity there. And when you're so used to sort of taking any opportunity you possibly can, um, and driving your career forward, uh, and you arrive at an organization that has that that space and that capacity, and not only that encourages it. Um, it's been quite a fast progression since joining for me. So you found a lot of freedom at, at RBC within that, that huge organization, right? Yeah, I mean, a huge thing too is is the kind of professional development on the side. There's a whole um, kind of learning and development side of, of RBC where we have courses and and a training budget. And I just felt like I was immediately um, moving at a, a way faster pace in terms of my own development professionally, personally. Um, and uh, so not only the work itself, but sort of the professional development and them investing into their employees was a big thing for me. Hey everyone, if you're enjoying what you're hearing, the best way you can support us is to leave a review in your favorite podcast app. Or better yet, start a conversation with a friend about how you think we can make work better. Thanks. Yeah. Well, let's back up a little bit because there's a piece of the story that we want to bring in here too. Your, your interest in, in accessibility issues uh, from university days uh, goes back further. So give us a little background about your experience and your life and what led you to this. Yeah. So uh, when, I was, when I was 13, I had a snowboarding accident. I broke my neck snowboarding. I uh, was instantly paralyzed from the neck down. Uh, airlifted to sick kids, nine-hour surgery. Uh, and when I woke up, you know, they said I would never move anything again. Um, and obviously that's a lot to process as a 13 year old, but, uh, I kind of kept my stuff together, so to speak. Um, and, uh, spent, lived in rehab for nine months. By the time I had left there, I was able to take some steps with a walker, um, you know, use a manual wheelchair, et cetera. And I, I moved on to, to continue outpatient rehab throughout high school. Um, and got to the point where, you know, I could independently walk with a cane at home uh, and then use the chair for, for longer distances. So that's really where my personal interest in accessibility lies. Um, being at campus, when I referenced, you know, creating a resource for new students arriving at campus that, that may have a physical disability, that was largely, you know, something that I felt I could have benefited from. Uh, and, and the concept of moving towards a real-time uh, app terms of reporting was also uh, based on a personal experience. I went to go write an exam in my final year and uh, a snow plow had kind of created a berm at the bottom of, of the ramp to the building and I couldn't write it. And uh, you know, that moment I was obviously frustrated um, to a degree for myself, but the, the thing that really hit me was I, I need to be able to tell the next person about this so they don't waste, waste their time. 
Um, and that's really where that came in. And, and uh, you know, the, the other app project that I was part of, which I forgot to mention earlier, um, sort of in parallel with that first role I had, the first full-time uh, role, um, I joined uh, Access Now as, as co-founder and drove the development of that, uh, which has actually been quite successful. Um, I ended up moving on from, from them uh, when I joined RBC. I just didn't have the capacity to do that on the side. Um, but that's basically sort of Yelp for accessibility. Um, and they have I don't know, 20, 30, 40,000 locations at this point rated globally. Um, and, you know, that's for just broader out in the community. I want to go to a restaurant. I need to know if it's accessible and there's a rating there. Um, so it's definitely been something that that's very personal for me, um, but also, um, you know, adds another layer to, to my work journey uh, in terms of overcoming barriers, because I've had to do that as well uh, in different roles. Yeah. And I want to get into that a little bit more, this intersection between physical roadblocks and, and professional roadblocks, because, I mean, we, we all know what those professional roadblocks are, but you're someone who, you know, every day sometimes you're you're confronted with something that, you know, it, it becomes extremely difficult or even impossible to get to a certain situation based on the systems that are set in front of you. So how do you feel like those physical elements have impacted your view of how you view roadblocks on a professional level too? So um, in, the, in, the, in the first company that I joined, um, it was definitely something that that uh, affected me. Um, you know, I remember in the interview process, I brought up that, uh, like, could I get underground parking? Um, because, you know, if it snows and there's any snow on the ground, it's going to be difficult to get in. Um, and uh, unfortunately, they, they were unable to provide that uh, for me. And I, I'm not sure if they fully believed, like, in terms of how actually difficult it is to, to wheel through snow. Um, and kind of almost poetically on my first day, uh, there was a snowstorm that morning. And so I was trying to get into the office and I literally got stuck and had to call my boss and he had to come help me. Uh, and you know, I think obviously you realize right at that moment, whoa, like this is, this is a, an issue. Uh, I never got the underground parking spot, but they were a little more flexible in terms of, um, you know, letting me work from home if the weather was, was bad. Um, but you know, there's, there was a number of other things just in the, in the office itself, um, planning, you know, where am I sitting? My workspace, is there enough space to move around? Where are the washrooms? Are they accessible? Uh, and I had to face a lot of that and it just sort of distracts you from doing work and being, being the best you can be professionally. Um, even when you sort of learn workarounds or, or whatever, it's always lingering in the back of your mind. And uh, it, it definitely um, it, it definitely makes the experience a little more challenging. Um, when I moved to RBC, it was a completely different situation, and uh, we were recently ranked third in the world in terms of uh, one of the diversity inclusion indexes for workplaces. And I can totally attest to that. Um, during the interview process, they arranged a independent occupational assessment. Um, so they brought in an occupational therapist who basically um, assessed from where I would park to get to my desk, that workspace, um, where my desk was positioned on the floor, um, you know, the, are the doors all uh, automated in between where I need to be? And so, and that was all before my first day. Um, so to know, visualize in my mind what, what I would, what, what I would be doing when I, when I got to work in terms of getting to my desk and, and doing work, 
before even joining was uh, incredibly empowering. And uh, the theme has just continued. I mean, um, generally speaking, the mindset here is, is very uh, positive and considerate in terms of um, needs and, and diversity and inclusion. And, uh, you know, even, even when I arrived, my manager uh, signed us both up for a, um, you know, managing um, diversity course on, on that learning platform where she wanted to get a better understanding of how best to enable me. Um, and it's definitely helped uh, in terms of me being able to just demonstrate my professional skills because after, I think, seven, eight months, I was promoted to a senior program associate. And another seven, eight months later, I was now uh, moved into my current role, which is uh, manager. So I got to stand up my own team, uh, which I lead. And it's just been an incredible uh, experience being able to to kind of maximize my potential. Do you feel like at RBC, because they've taken all these steps to make sure they've accommodated how you work on a physical level, do you feel like that's also had a lot of trade-off on just a, a practical level of, of when you have suggestions or whenever anyone has an idea for a new project, that there are less roadblocks also in, in career paths and, and ways people can get things going? Do you, do you feel like there's a lot of interplay between those ideas as well? I mean, I think the thing for me is it's become something I don't have to think about, you know, which is, is nice. Like I, I think, I, I, I mean, I do think about it. I'm on a diversity inclusion employee resource group where, where we work to kind of um, spread information and enable uh, other employees that, that face um, various challenges. Um, so, I mean, I'm obviously actively thinking about it, but in terms of me doing my day-to-day work, it just doesn't even come into to question. Um, and so I'm able to just focus on what the average person is able to focus on, which is great. Talk to somebody who is a team leader. They're, they're someone who has a, a mid-sized organization or even a small place that's, that's hearing these things and say, wow, I'd love to be able to provide those things, but I, you know, I, I don't want to keep a, an occupational therapist on retainer for these types of things. What, what are some practical ways that even without a big budget, you can be more accommodating and remove ro- roadblocks for people? Yeah, I mean, that's a really good point. Uh, you know, when I was interviewing for my first role, I was interviewing at a, a startup, which is now huge. Um, but there, there was a situation there where their interview process was extremely grueling. And um, on the last interview, they flew me out to Ottawa. And I had four hours straight of interviews with seven different people. And one of those interviews, we, you know, they said, hey, we're going to go grab lunch. And so, and I'm thinking in my head, like, well, we have an hour between the next one. I know personally getting there, wheeling a few blocks, getting there, eating, ordering, it, it's just, it's not going to add up. And that really threw off my interview process. And I mean, I think since then that company has, has invested a lot more into that, but that's just a prime example of where these smaller companies, it's just, it's not necessarily something they think about. And so how they can, they can do that. I mean, there's tons of free stuff out there. I think it's, it starts with just a awareness that they might not know everything and that they need to learn more. Um, and I'm not sure how, how to get companies to think about that right off the bat when they're, especially when they're a startup or a smaller company and they're, they're trying to grow, um, just in, in their industry. Uh, it, it's, it's kind of an afterthought, unfortunately, but, um, you know, I think there are, there are ways to, to sort of get a better, sense of what they need to be thinking about uh, at a low cost. You know, it's just, there's a lot of free videos out there, free resources, 
Um, there's even companies that, that are sort of specialized in that, um, that, that will kind of help advise uh, startups in these types of things that they don't normally think about. Yeah. Uh, Nick, let's close with this idea of, especially I like the idea of your manager saying, hey, let's take a class together to go about this. What do you feel like are the essential qualities of a manager who wants to be inclusive, who wants to take advantage of the talent that's out there among differently abled people? What are some of the just the mindsets people need to have and the characteristics to really open up those possibilities? Uh, I think it really all comes back to empathy. Um, I think that, you know, managers have their objectives and they're very task based. Um, but they need to remember that, um, the people working for them are people. And, uh, it's, it's really important to remember that. Um, and often if you take a little more time to sort of consider really anything, but definitely in the, in the case here, um, you know, physical needs, it's actually going to enable that employee to, to do better work and which is going to reflect better on you. So, I think um, really, yeah, it, it just comes down to empathy. Well, cool. Nick, where can people go if they want to keep track of you or, or other good resources to stay in touch? Uh, my LinkedIn, and I'm not sure if it can be shared on the um, on the podcast, but uh, happy to connect with anyone with questions uh, or, or comments on, on, on what we shared today. Um, but that's probably the best place to get me. Great. Well, we'll put that in the show notes. Nick, thanks for much for being on the show. Uh, we like talking about this topic, removing roadblocks, removing boundaries from it, and uh, really appreciate your insights. Thank you. Thank you so much, Neil. Hey, if you're the kind of person who listens to the very end, you must be a fan. Now, we are building a team of people who really love what we're talking about and want to go deeper. If you want to interact with guests, drive the content of Work Minus, and give feedback on our work before it goes public, Send an email to neil at workminus.com. It's N E I L at workminus.com, and I'll get you connected.